0: Objections Overruled 1 and 2 audiobooks are produced by Lutheran Public Radio and are made possible with support from listeners like you. You can contribute to the production of future audiobooks at issuesetc.org support. Look for Objections Overruled 3 in December of 2023. The Bible isn't a reliable historical document. Adam S. Francisco The Old Testament texts were shown to be reliable by the discovery of the Dead Sea Scrolls at Qumran in 1947. The Qumran texts, dating from 250 B.C. to A.D. 50, match the Old Testament manuscripts nearly exactly. Archaeology and extra-biblical documents from the ancient Near East back up the existence of many Old Testament people and places. The New Testament writers were eyewitnesses themselves or used eyewitness testimonies. Other documents from the Jewish and Roman world at that time reinforce information contained in the New Testament. The New Testament has more existing manuscripts than any other ancient document. Archaeology also continues to make discoveries that verify the New Testament accounts. Most objections to the Bible's reliability are not based on evidence, but on bias against what the Bible teaches. One of the more common criticisms of Christianity is that the Bible is not reliable. It was written too long ago in an age when people believed anything, thus it should not be taken seriously or considered factually reliable, or so the assumption goes. True, the Bible was written long ago in a culture very different from our own. There is no shortage of popular and sensationalist critiques of its authenticity. But the ancient Bible continues to withstand the scrutiny of the modern world. There is still good reason to view the Bible as a historically reliable document. In fact, there are a lot of reasons showing that the Old and New Testaments are reliable. The Old Testament The Old Testament was written over the course of centuries and almost entirely in Hebrew. Until 1947, English translations had to rely on manuscripts dated no earlier than A.D. 1000. 1,500 to 2,500 years or more separated these manuscripts from the original text. For this reason, scholars for several centuries assumed the text had been changed through the ages. After 1947, that assumption was no longer possible. Hundreds of Old Testament texts were found at Qumran near the Jordan River in Israel. These texts, preserved in caves, were written on parchment and papyrus between 250 B.C. and A.D. 50. Even more remarkable is the content of the Qumran texts. They show almost no variations from the manuscripts of the 11th and later centuries. For example, in the Qumran scroll containing the book of Isaiah, only three minor spelling variants appear. These variants are similar to the difference between American and British spellings in words like honor, H-O-N-O-R, or H-O-N-O-U-R. They are insignificant to what is described and taught in the text. The Jewish scribes who copied the Old Testament through the centuries were meticulous. We can be confident the text has been very well preserved. We can also be confident that our faithful English translations represent the original texts accurately. What about the Old Testament's content? There are many incredible stories throughout the Old Testament. To be sure, it was written in a world foreign to our own. It's important to remember that the authors chose to record what was important to them and their context, not 21st century Americans. Even so, much of the Old Testament corresponds with a known history of the ancient Near East. That correspondence continues to increase with the discoveries of archaeologists. For a long time, skeptics doubted the names of some biblical figures. They believed King Sargon II and the prophet Balaam, for example, were invented by the biblical authors. Now those persons have been discovered in other inscriptions, scrolls, and tablets. Obscure places like the land of Ophir have been located, and so has evidence of an assault on the ancient city of Jericho. Whole people groups, such as the Hittites and Horites, have also been discovered. They, too, were once thought to have been invented by the authors of the Bible. The New Testament The case for the historical reliability of the New Testament is even stronger. There is, of course, good reason for this. It was written much later than the Old Testament, in the first century AD. This makes the New Testament much more open to historical investigation and verification. Here are some of the strongest reasons we can trust its historical reliability. Many authors of the New Testament were eyewitnesses to the events they described those who were not used eyewitnesses as sources of information. The authors claim this for themselves. See for example Luke chapter 1 verse 2, John chapter 19 verse 35, second Peter chapter 1 verse 16, and First John chapter 1 verse 1. The author Papias died 163. a student of John the Apostle, confirms their claims in his description of the authors of the four Gospels. Modern lawyers who specialize in assessing evidence and evaluating sources have carefully studied the New Testament texts. These experts find that the New Testament qualifies as first-hand testimony, not hearsay, to the life of Jesus. Moreover, the New Testament was written relatively close to the events it describes. There was no time for myths or legends to creep in. Other first-century historians such as Levy and Dionysus of Halicarnassus, wrote centuries after the events and people they described. A few decades passed between Jesus' life, death, and resurrection and the original writing of the New Testament. This interval is negligible by ancient standards. Secondly, the manuscript evidence behind the New Testament is remarkable. While we do not have the original autographs, there are over 5,700 Greek manuscripts. Add to this Latin, Syriac, Coptic, and other manuscripts, and the number increases to over 25,000. Additionally, there are hundreds of thousands of New Testament quotations in non-biblical literature. These documents date from the 2nd to 13th centuries. Even if every New Testament document were destroyed, we could still recover its content based on the quotations in these other writings. In stark contrast to this are the few manuscripts we have for other authors who wrote around the same time. For example, we have seven copies of the work of Pliny the Younger, circa A.D. 61-113, eight of Suetonius, circa A.D. 75-160, and 20 of Levy, circa 59 B.C. to A.D. 17, as well as Tacitus, circa A.D. 56 to 120. It is no exaggeration to say that there are thousands more New Testament manuscripts than any other work or collection of works from antiquity. The only author whose writings come close is the ancient Greek poet Homer, whose Iliad and Odyssey were revered in the ancient world. He wrote 800 years before the New Testament era, so there was much more time to accumulate manuscripts. Still, there are fewer than 2,400 copies of Homer. We can also be confident that the New Testament was faithfully transmitted through the centuries. The period between the original autograph and the earliest extant manuscript is remarkably small for a first-century text. It is almost universally acknowledged that a fragment of the Gospel of John dates to about A.D. 125, P. 52, or the John Rylands fragment. John, the last of the Gospels to have been written, was probably composed in the 90s. That puts about 30 years between the original writing and our earliest piece of evidence for it. Other early fragments date to the late 2nd century. The 150 years between original composition and the earliest remaining evidence for the text might seem like a long time, but by the standards of ancient history, this is striking. The existing copies of Suetonius and Tacitus are between 800 and 1,000 years removed from their original writing. Still, they are our main sources for the Roman Empire in the first century. As remarkable as the number and dating of the manuscripts is the integrity of the New Testament text itself. To be sure, and any Christian defending the text needs to be aware of this, there are thousands of copyist errors and variants found in the thousands of New Testament manuscripts. The overwhelming majority of them, between 70 to 80 percent, are misspellings. An example of this would be the way the name John is sometimes spelled with one new or two, the letter N in Greek. There are also quite a few variants in the text having to do with the order of the words in a sentence. A scribe may have copied down a sentence and, after checking it for accuracy, realized he forgot a word. He would add it to the end of a sentence. In Greek, this does not change the sentence's meaning. Greek is what grammarians call an inflected language. The subject, verb, or predicate of a sentence are arranged not according to a fixed pattern, but according to the emphasis. For example, you can write, Jesus loved John 16 different ways in Greek. Each sentence would mean and be translated, Jesus loved John. Other examples of variants and copyist errors include the use of synonyms where a scribe used a proper name. In other manuscripts containing the same verse, a pronoun is used. Or, for example, in John chapter 4, verse 3, some manuscripts read, When Jesus knew, and others, When the Lord knew. Scholars who specialize in these issues say that slightly more than 99% of all the variants and copyist errors are like this. What about the fewer than 1% that are not? There are a few passages in the New Testament that are common in later manuscripts, but not in the earliest ones. The two most significant ones are the ending of the Gospel of Mark, beginning at chapter 16, verse 9, and the story of the woman caught in adultery in John, chapter 7, verse 53 through chapter 8, verse 11. Any decent study Bible will acknowledge this in a footnote. Careful scholars have found that these readings are consistent with New Testament teaching. Neither do the readings call into question the New Testament's basic historical reliability. There is another argument we can add to our list of reasons for considering the New Testament reliable. Its narrative corresponds closely to the geography and culture of both the Holy Land and the Roman Empire. The content of the New Testament agrees with what we know from non-biblical and non-Christian sources from the first century. Jesus and the way Christians viewed Him are mentioned in more than a few ancient texts. Among them are an arrest warrant to His crucifixion and people's responses to His resurrection. These reports come from authors hostile to Christianity. Moreover, Christian accounts of the life of Jesus were wide open to scrutiny by hostile Romans and Jews, yet not a single criticism has been found from those hostile sources who had the means, motive, and opportunity to level a charge of factual inaccuracy. The correspondence of the New Testament to its historical context is further strengthened by archaeological discoveries. Places such as the pool called Bethesda, John chapter 5, and the pool of Siloam, John chapter 9, have been discovered. Evidence of people central to Jesus' passion has also been discovered. One is an inscription of Pontius Pilate dedicating a temple to Tiberius Caesar, Another is a bone box or ossuary that once contained the bones of Joseph Caiaphas, the high priest of Israel. Other discoveries include a nail still in the foot of a crucifixion victim and a house in Capernaum, possibly Peter's, where disciples of Jesus gathered. A boat recovered from receding waters in the Sea of Galilee dates to the time Jesus lived. It is like the one Jesus slept in before calming the sea. A host of other things that confirm or shed more light on the New Testament narrative continue to be found in and around the Holy Land. Conclusion We have only scratched the surface here. There is tremendously more evidence confirming the historical reliability of the Bible. It is likely that even more will be discovered. So why is the charge that the Bible is not trustworthy so common? The answer, by and large, has little to do with the evidence. It has more to do with Scripture's supernatural explanations for historical events, such as the resurrection of Jesus, and particular and exclusive doctrinal claims, such as salvation through Christ alone. These don't conform to the assumptions of a culture becoming increasingly dogmatic in its secularism. However, for those committed to following the evidence where it leads, regardless of the outcome, there is a case for the reliability of the Bible. That case goes a long way in demonstrating that, like the first Christians, we have not followed cleverly devised myths. 2 Peter 1, verse 16.